Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and our shortcomings, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I'm grateful that we all come together, Lord, on one accord and in good health, Lord, and, and in peace. I'm asking, Lord, right now that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, Every spirit of contention, confusion, jealousy, hatred, malice, rejection. Lord, all things that have nothing to do with your spirit. I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Ghost will fall upon us, Lord. I'm asking that the presence of the Holy Ghost be great tonight for this teaching. I'm grateful, Lord, that you have put us together, Lord, only to have us do your will. And may more be able to do so. Let us become active participants in your word. Let us study to show ourselves approved, Lord, because the time is at hand. The evil days are upon us, Lord, and we're living through them. And what we have to be is nurtured, Lord, and grown up in you, because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Lord, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, almighty God, faithful, just, and true, worthy to be praised. Lord, I'm asking that you do this for your glory, do it for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be the ninth fruit of the Spirit. Fine. Fine? Why, you studying that or something? I actually was just talking about it. Somebody said well, That's the way the Spirit works. But um, one thing we recognize because the Lord has shown me, you know, I was always wondering why you can't find it in any other place except Galatians 5. You know, you might you might find the words in other places in the Bible, but it always seemed like it's in this little column, you know, of the nine fruit in, in Galatians 5 in one spot. But I've recognized what the Lord is showing me that in um, Matthew, I mean, in, in all of Jesus' teachings, the nine gifts of the Spirit were active in everything that Paul talked about, what the prophets did, what the apostles did. You know what the law was for before we came into the nine gifts of the spirit that were given by the holy ghost was all to get us up to this point that we may be perfected in them all right so um one of the things i want to cover real quick matter of fact let's go to galatians 5 right now but man this bible is covered in the nine fruit of the holy ghost I hope the outside sound isn't drowning it out. But probably not. Might be fine. Five what? Verse one. Okay. All right, and it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free to be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be uh, circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. It would have been nice to have a part two to that, um, O keepers of the law who have bewitched you. But I think that, you know, this is going to be a separate thing, but it's going to cover so much concerning it. Mm -hmm. You know, where if anybody wants to defend the law and they don't understand that it's the law of the spirit, they're going to miss it by a hundred miles. Verse three, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So you have to do the whole law if you decide to do part of it. Mm -hmm. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, uh, ye are fallen from grace. So that tells you there, you need Christ to be able to do the things of Christ. You know, you need Christ in you. You need the gifts of the Spirit. That's the only way that works. You know, as far as the law is concerned, we have to be led by the Spirit of God, not by the works of the law. And that's what a lot of these people don't understand what this whole thing is about. It's about being like Christ. It has nothing to do with rituals. Mm -hmm. All right. um, Verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth. I am there, right? For we through. Oh, no. It's uh, verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So you got to understand, it's not about the rituals. When they talk about circumcision and uncircumcision, they're talking about those that are of the religious rituals and those that were of um, the spirit, okay? That those two things, the only way that faith works is by love, okay? So that's where everything is grounded. Um, For in Christ Jesus, well, I actually read that, verse 7, Ye did run well, who did hinder you, that ye should not obey the truth? That persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So we understand a little pride, a little effort, a little you in the way of God, you you mess up the whole lump. I mean, when God is building something, let him work in you. But a little of your effort outside of his will, you know, it just destroys everything. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye be that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth uh, you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I if I yet preach circumcision, why do ye suffer persecution? Then is it then is the offense of the cross ceased. In other words, if you're doing these things void of the cross, you know, then Christ died for nothing because you're going to do it your way anyway. Mm -hmm. I would they uh, were even cut off, which trouble you. So Paul's saying here that um, being circumcised or uncircumcised, since they wanted to make a big argument about that, many felt, well, it's unclean, you know, if you're not circumcised to present yourself before the Lord. This is what the Jews had to do. Paul's saying, I'd rather you just cut it off if it's going to be that much trouble and, you know, just focus on Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So the liberty of the Spirit is going to lead you to doing the will of the Lord, which we'll have the nine gifts that we'll um, talk about in a second. But, you know, I just wanted to bring up one point when he said, you know, if they trouble you, I wish that you would cut them off. 
this is a very serious thing about people reading the Bible wrongly because you go into a lot of these third world countries or you deal with these people and them not understanding what Paul is saying. You got people that have castrated themselves for the sake of trying to get into the kingdom. That's, that wasn't the reason why Paul was saying that, you know, but people have done this literally, you know, mutilate themselves to try and deal with it. But, you know, yeah, you might have taken away that part of it, but what about your lying, cheating, and stealing? So you can't remove the appetite for every little thing just by cutting that off. It's a spiritual change that needs to take place. As people in uh, Sharia law and Islam, you know, you cut their hands off, they'll find a way to steal. You know, people use their feet and run off. Um, okay, so not for the um, not for the flesh, verse fourteen. For all the law is fulfilled in in one word, even in this: thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So that tells you there that this law is separate from the one that Moses is talking about, or you know these Israelite groups try and teach you that's so outside of the truth. All right, so then it says in verse 15, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So that tells you there. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, why it's difficult for us to be with people is because there's a there's a difference in the spirit. You know, like my old pastor said, and I agree with him, he talked about, you know, when people see each other and they're attracted to one another, you're dealing in your flesh. You know, right away, man, they got everything I want, I have everything that they want, man, we, we're just made for each other. And then you get to the soul Oh, you play piano? Me too. You sing in a choir? Me too. You got all these things going for you, but when you get to the spirit, if you're not like the same way with that person, what ends up happening is, you know, you're going to be distant. This is when you find a person is not as attractive as you thought they were. This is when a person is not, you know, um, you find out that they have things inside of them like hate, you know, um, selfishness. They have a lying capacity. They can be very violent. These are things that, unless you get into the spirit of, you don't know what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. All right? So, verse 18. But if ye led by the Spirit, but if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, um, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, and seditions, heresies, uh, envyings, murders, uh, drunkenness, revelings, uh, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some people would say they're not on this list, so maybe we need to look at this real quick because this is contrary to what the will of the Lord is. Now, when you go into adultery, of course, you know, that has something to do with, I mean, marriage, people not being faithful in marriages. Um, then there's uh, fornication, which is a big word, which is the Greek word pornia. You know, it can be masturbation, homosexuality. It could be um, sex without marriage. It could be so many different things that you deal with here. 
So um, that covers a lot. And that can even be spiritual fornication, which is the type of idolatry which we're going to get to. So you know that they're talking about regular fornication here. Um, um, what is it? Unlawful sexual, you know, things. All right. So then it goes to um, uncleanness. Everyone knows what that is. You know, lasciviousness, which is a type of greed. You know, greedy desires. We all have those. And then there's idolatry, which, I mean, I'm telling you, are going to send, idolatry is going to send more people to hell than anything at all. Why? Because you can even idolize yourself. You can idolize your husband or wife. You can idolize your clothes. You can idolize your church, your pastor. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And a lot of people aren't even aware that they're doing this. So, you know, idolatry is going to be the biggest one. Witchcraft. Now, some people would say, I don't cast spells. I don't do these things. Well, what about when you go into the club and you, you know, flash those baby browns on a guy? When you dress a certain way because you're trying to get him to look at you. I mean, think about this. That's a form of witchcraft. Yeah. Doing something to get someone to do something else. Giving, buying them things because you want that person to like you. Okay? That's a form of witchcraft. Why? It's not coming from the Spirit of God. It's not done out of love. It's done out of a form of control. All right, then there's hatred. Everyone knows what that is. Variance, you know, someone that causes difference. You know, like you can have a bunch of people on one accord and someone will walk up. Oh, if I were you, um, yeah, you notice how they were kind of acting funny tonight? That's, that's variance. That's like causing trouble, you know, or being, you know, different. Then there's emulations, trying to be people that we've seen, trying to imitate people we've seen. That's even the works of the flesh. Why? Because if it's led by the Spirit, the Lord will only have you act like He wants you to act like. A lot of people preach the way their pastors preach. When the Lord is working with you, His Spirit is going to give you the words to speak. All right? You've seen this in churches. Amen. Everybody good? Amen? You know, I mean, all you're saying is, so be it. Everybody's good, so be it. That's religious talk. You learn that nonsense in church. Right. You know, that has nothing to do with <laughs> knowing the Lord. All right, so then there's um, wrath. Now, you know, strife, wrath and strife. Strife is kind of like causing trouble. Seditions, you know, that's kind of um, causing separation. Then there's heresies, false doctrine, false things brought in. Envyings, this person has something I should have, so I got a problem with that. You know, murders, I mean, that speaks for itself. Drunkenness, revelings. Revelings is right after drunkenness because revelings is kind of like what people do when they're drunk. You know, just blurting stuff out and saying all kinds of stuff without thinking. Mm -hmm. And then there's as such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also uh, told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Uh, run through these real quick. Everyone knows what love is, but we're going to knock that out real quick because there's four different meanings of love in the Bible. All right, there's joy. That's what the Lord can give you. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness. We'll cover all of this. I'm not going to really go into it, but they're saying against such there is no law. There's no law for any of these things. Love is love, you know, it has its place, and the other things have to be grown in you in the spirit. 
And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of and lust. So if you're of Christ, then you're going to um, subdue your body. Your body will obey your spirit. Verse 25. Uh, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So we understand here that this is talking about the will of the flesh versus the will of the spirit. The spirit um, brings different fruit. The fruit of the world, at best, you can be what's on that list when it talks about idolatry, witchcraft, fornication, adultery. Those are all the works of the flesh. If you're not of Christ, guaranteed you fit in one of these. There are Christians working themselves out of this stuff. So it hasn't exactly left some people. This is what sanctification is for. All right, so the first one we're going to tackle is love. Matter of fact, let me bring up another point before we go there. Uh, let's go to Matthew 5, verse 1. This blew me away when I learned that Jesus spoke of the, the, the fruit. And you had um, Paul was explaining it, you know, like he understood it. Isn't it amazing? No, I mean, you got someone whose mind is full of the Holy Ghost. It's not like yours. You can read over something time and time again. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, yeah, we should love one another. Paul understood what Jesus was talking about here, which is why Paul was the first to call them the nine fruit of the Spirit. Right. All right, so from here, um, Matthew 5 and 1. And it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So these are lowly people, you know, people that are dealing with stuff. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What are one of the gifts of the spirit? Meekness. Okay, and then it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall... Um, be filled. Now, a lot of these gifts will also, or these fruit, will end up together. They can be thrown one way or another, but I picked the ones that spoke to me the most. So, um, in five, I would say that that was faith when we go to, um, or six. Yeah, I would say six, that that was faith when it goes to, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Mm -hmm. So what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. So these people are hungering and thirsting after it, even though they don't see it. Okay, so and he said they shall be filled. So they're acting on faith. And then in 7 it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. To me, that would be gentleness. You know, that would be one of the things of gentleness. Why? You're not responding the way that someone would respond to you. Mm -hmm. All right. And then it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I believe that that's love. I believe that that's totally love right there. And then it says, um, okay, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, you know, that would be peace. So the Lord is speaking of the gifts of the Spirit right here, or the nine fruit of the Spirit. Then he says, uh, 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs is the kingdom of God. Exactly. That's what I would put it in. That would be long suffering. And then it says, Blessed are ye uh, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all, all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. I believe that that is temperance because you're gaining self control even though all hell is breaking loose around you. Right. So that would be temperance. And then you go to 11 and it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile, oh, it's verse 12 actually, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, uh, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Goodness. That would be joy. joy. You know, because it says rejoice and be exceeding glad, even when all things are breaking out around you. I believe goodness would be, um, goodness could also be 10. Honestly, when it talks about um, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, mm -hmm. that, that goodness would be a part of that. Or, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. You're seeking goodness. Goodness can be all of these really. But what's interesting is, is that the Lord was talking about these exact same fruit before he went forward. Right. Now, this is what they're talking about. I don't know what those Israelites and other people are talking about concerning this law. This is the law that Jesus is speaking of, the nine fruit of the Spirit. All right, so you go to verse 13, and it says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherefore shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. And that's happening, you know. This is why Christians are being persecuted. All this stuff's happening. You know, salt's lost its savor. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Neither do men like a, light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. Now this tells you here, with the nine fruit of the Spirit, this is the law that Jesus is talking about. Then it says, uh, verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men, so he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what commandments are they speaking of? They're not talking about Moses' law. The nine fruits of the, the Spirit. Exactly. I mean, he just laid out a whole line of what he was speaking of. Mm -hmm. And you know what's so funny is he concludes this with speaking about the nine fruit of the, well, not the nine fruit, but the fruit of the flesh. Mm -hmm. You know, so he's just addressing it here, and people need to catch this. Um, verse 20 and he says for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven ye have heard that it was said by them of, of old time thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of thy judgment now remember murders are on that list of, of what's in the flesh then it says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother 
uh, without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. For whoever shall say uh, to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. That's also on the list, seditions and other things like that. Then it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. So we're going to cover all of this concerning love. I mean, your spare time, just read down, you know, to the end of 25. It'll tell you everything that we're not supposed to be doing. So he's speaking against the fruit of the flesh here versus the fruit of the spirit. Or the works of the flesh is what he calls it. All right, so from here I want to uh, read something real quick. Because this is speaking of, um, it's called the four types of love. There are four words. There's eros, E-R-O-S. There's agape, A-G-A-P-E. Then there's uh, phileo, which is P-H-I-L-E-O. And then there's uh, storage, which is S-T-O-R-G-E. Okay, so these are four different types of love. The first one is Eros, and it says, A love felt particularly within the body, trembling, excitement, elation, joy, colored and underpinned uh, by the deep and beautiful procreative urges. I hate to talk about this guy C.S. Lewis because he's a you know, heretic, but um, C.S. Lewis distinguishes Eros from natural sexual urges and lust because eros is a state of the heart, and um, while it is intimately uh, related to sex, sex can exist and often does exist without eros uh, in living. In living it, uh, it leads to children, family, joy, and laughter. It is good and right, but it is usually not enough to sustain a relationship long term. This is interesting. Because we were just talking about the flesh, and we were talking about the, the, um, the soul and the spirit. That this excitement that you get from the body, all these things talking about, um, you know, that joy that you get, what most people experience, it's not enough to, to um, maintain a relationship long term. Eros is an exalted and beautifully idealistic love, usually between a man and woman but can be also uh, platonic and extend to deeply intimate friendships. Uh, Socrates defined Eros uh, as also working with the soul to recall knowledge and beauty, and in that capacity contributes to an understanding of spiritual truth. While Eros can simply be an earthly thing, when, um, when spirit infused and elevated to its true position, it speaks deeply of universal mysteries and is usually most keenly expressed within the most sacred of all relationships, that between husband and wife. Eros suggests uh, that even centrally based love aspires to the non-corporal, uh, spiritual plane of existence. That is, finding its truth, just like finding any truth, leads to transcendence. Um, like transcendence, like being um, pushed to another level. Um, the elevated uh, buzz of erotic love is said 
to naturally fade within a year of its beginning. Uh, perhaps it is too exhausting and all-consuming. Uh, perhaps we just get lazy. I don't necessarily think that uh, it has a fade at all. And part of the purpose is this of this blog is to record my thoughts and experiences on Eros and how uh, we can nurture and maintain this beautiful love in our lives. So that's one level. Okay, so we're talking on an earthly level here, husband and wife. This would be romance. romance. You know, that type of intimacy, you know, void of the spirit, in my opinion. This is a different type of love. So you go to phileo, which is the next one. If eros is love in, of the body, phileo is the love of the, of the soul. It is easy uh, love and affection. Uh, it is bent towards our natural taste and preferences. It embodies culture and beliefs. Uh, it's about the friendship you feel toward, towards people like you with the same interests, social graces, and style. It is, um, oh, in the scriptures, oh, okay, in the scriptures, uh, this kind of, of friendship, love, is used to describe many relationships. God is said to have this kind of love for us and Jesus. I disagree with this person's view, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Jesus felt this kind of love for his disciples. Parents felt this type of love for their children and children for their parents. It is not then a shallow love, but rich in emotion and feeling. Like when your heart beams towards your child, uh, when they shout, oh, okay, oh, okay, well, um, towards your child, when they do something wonderful. However, it is also described as a negative, shallow love, natural and exclusive and conditional. Phileo is soul love, and its strength is value, and just its strength and value uh, will depend on the elevation of the soul of the bearer. Okay, so this is going on mostly what you feel. I agree what he's saying concerning Phileo, but the difference is because, you know, where you get the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. So I believe that part, but when he said how God loves us or Jesus loves us, that's not the same type of love. The love that God has and Jesus has is the type of love that we're going to read of next. So it's not brotherly love. It's the love that God has towards us. So this one would be agape. So the first one is romantic type of relationships that you have, you know, with friends or whatever. The second is brotherly love that you would have towards, you know, parents, children and all that stuff. But it's conditional. So one is a fleshly love. The other is a soulish love. And then we're going to agape, which is, we'll read it here, is more of a parental, mature, sacrificial kind of love. The Thayer lexicon describes agape beautifully when it says to take pleasure in the thing, prize it above all other things, be unwilling to abandon it or do without it. So we understand here, before even continuing, agape is the type of love that Jesus had when he was on the cross for us. Agape is the type of love that the Father has for us. Agape love, in my opinion, is the truest form of love. That's why, if you notice in the King James Bible, it's always translated the word agape for charity. It is not translated as love. If it does, it'll say it like slightly different. But 
Agape is the real love of God that he has towards us. All right, so um, I'll continue. In a way that is an idealistic as Eros, that is as idealistic as Eros, and that it is a crazy love that will not let go. See, I disagree because this guy is talking more like infatuation. You know, agape love is I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to do my part for you regardless. Mm -hmm. But it's not the type of love like where it's a crazy love, like no matter what, I'm going to cling to you. That's like obsession. You know, now it the love that makes it sound like you're kidnapping somebody and it's infatuation. It's not, you don't need, how can you love somebody if you're not going to let them go? Right. Now I agree with the next line he says when he says, agape love usually at cost uh, to the bearer Agape puts the beloved first and sacrifices pride, self-interest, and possessions for the sake of that beloved. Now, I agree with this, but this does not go against the word of God. When God speaks about unbelievers, when God speaks about um, other things concerning those that go outside of his will, then we're speaking totally different. Right now, we're relating things to the word of God. All right. Um, okay, and then it says... This is the love that God has for us, uh, which inspired him to sacrifice his son and for his son to obey and sacrifice himself. It is the kind of love we are commanded to have for one another. It is the love of supreme greatness. Amen. Because we can't even imagine. you got parents that can't even imagine doing that. The closest you would become, you would find um, an agape in the flesh, you know, with us would be a, a mother's love for her child. But even then, we've seen that go corrupt. We've seen that have a limit to where, how far it would go. Mm. So, you know, the agape love is the love that you want, okay? But it doesn't mean because you love that you do wrong. You right. know, it means that you love regardless. You know, it doesn't mean that you go down with the ship. I mean, that's not what it's about. And the only reason why the Lord can have agape love towards us is because God cannot fall. Jesus became sin, but would be resurrected on the third day. He became sin for our sake. He wasn't going to stay sin. Mm -hmm. He took it to the cross to destroy it, so that way the spirit could be distributed. Right. That's what it was all about. All right, so here's the last one, uh, storage. This is the love of community and family, often dutiful, uh, sometimes unfeeling, but very strong nonetheless. It is a natural carnal love but powerful enough to be a real hindrance in spiritual growth. Hmm. Especially when um, family and culture are holding you down. It is a love that may pull you towards a lesser path. Now, you know, I agree with most of what this guy said. There were some things that I didn't agree with because anytime you hear the love of God, I mean, it's agape. Only a few times he mentioned phileo when you become a manifested son of God. But think about what you are then. If you're a manifested son of God, then that means that you're hearing from God. That means that you are one with Christ. That means that Christ is fully formed in you. So that agape love becomes a brotherly love because you're, you know, you're on, I'm not saying on Christ's level, but you have, you have reached that status of spiritual maturity to where the Lord can tell you fire it well. Go do what I tell you to do. I'm not even worried about you. I trust you. So that's getting throne room, 
throne room level, reaching that higher plane. All right, so, I mean, hopefully y'all got some understanding from this and what this is about. The Lord gave me that, too, to present. So, all right, from here, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's get a real understanding of agape. But, man, when the Lord showed me this stuff, I'm like, man, this is awesome. Because some people try and equate agape with all of the others, and they just don't go together. Now, you're going to find in most Bible versions, this will be translated as love. It is love. We're still speaking about the same thing, but this is agape love, which means charity. It's a form of selflessness, and you know what? This is the kind of love we're going to have in heaven. When he said the angels don't marry or given into marriage, that they'll be like, you know, like God. They won't have the desires of doing anything other than service. Mm -hmm. That's the true walk of a Christian. To me, that is love in its complete form. Well, that would be Jesus Christ, but we'll um, start at verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have um, not charity, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. This is what I hear when I deal with a lot of those Israelite groups, when I deal with Jehovah's Witnesses and other people. They'll try and introduce you to so much truth about all the stuff that they know but they sound like, eh, 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 eh. How do you expect to win anybody to the Lord and this is how you're sounding? You know, because we need to do this. and they need to, People, you know, get scared of you. Like, man, go away. Okay, so he's saying if you have not love, you're just like a sounding brass. Now, there are different types of love, but we're talking about agape here. All right, verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, if the Lord is sitting here quoting this, I mean, Paul is quoting this, think about the fact that God is taking the gifts of the Spirit that seriously. He's saying you can have all of the above, and if you don't have love, so what is God's kingdom grounded on? Love. It's that clear. But everybody feels like you got to do this. you got to do more. There are things that the Lord requir requires us to do. But it's love in us, the spirit of the Holy Ghost, that drives us. Alright, so uh, verse 3. And though I bestow... Now mind you, Paul is also mentioning the fruit of the Spirit here. Look at how many fruit of the Spirit pop up while we're reading this. We just covered faith. We just covered a few other things. Alright, uh, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long. So charity is long-suffering. Look at this. You know, and it's kind. So it's good. Um, charity envieth not. So it's not one of the, you know, the fruit of the flesh, or one of the works of the flesh. Mm -hmm. uh, charity vaunteth not itself. So it's not puffed up in pride. Okay, uh, is not puffed up, uh, doth not behave itself unseemly, like rudely, not, you know, likely, um, unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not, so it's not selfish, it is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, joy, another fruit of the Spirit here showing up, 
beareth all things, believeth all things, so it's full of faith, and it has temperance. Look at this. This is all showing up here. And then it says, uh, endureth all things, uh, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, uh, it shall vanish away. For we know uh, in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So, you know, a lot of people try and run this to talk about the gifts of the Spirit are done away. It just said, if you look at verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. What is perfect? What's coming that's perfect? Jesus Christ. Exactly. So until his coming, we won't need the fruit of this, the gifts of the Spirit anymore. But people try and promote this to say things when they're really, you know, lying about it. And probably some of them are taught wrong and jealous because the gifts don't flow through them. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why they called Jesus Beelzebub, because they didn't have any understanding. Right. Verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we all through... We all see through a glass darkly, but then face to face now and in part. But then shall I know even as also I, I am known. And now um, abideth faith, love, and charity. These three, but, in the, but the greatest of these is charity, which is love, which is godly love. So what we understand here is even with all the fruit of the Spirit, if they're not governed by the love, that only the Holy Ghost can give you, then you're nothing. Mm -hmm. And this is a part of becoming a mature Christian in Christ and being driven by Christ. It's not about all you know. It's not about how religious you are. It's how the faith works in I mean, the love works in you, which makes the other gifts come to be also. Right. All right, let's go to uh, 1 John 3, I mean, not 1 John, John 3.16. Everybody knows this. I'll just say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that's an example there of the type of love that the Lord has. He gave his prized possession up for sinful men that would not obey God because God's love is perfect. You know, that was total selflessness. How many people would do that? You know, for the sake of someone else. Exactly. All right. So for me, let's go to Matthew. Um, I'll just read this too. I'll just say this one out. Matthew 22, 34 and 36. When um, the lawyer asked him, you know, what shall be the, um, what is the first and great commandment in the kingdom? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So that's telling you there that that's the type of love that we're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. Love towards God and love for your brother. Right. All right. So we will go to 1 John uh, 4. Let's go there. We'll start at verse 7. That's at the back of the Bible. And see, some people may hear some of my, you know, teachings early and see, we were talking about love all along. You know, it's not about that. It's about love being in its righteous place. Mm 
because love void of truth is hatred. Yeah. Okay, it's fear. I don't want to talk about this because I don't want to offend. It has to be brought in its proper place like everything else. All right, so 1 John 4, and we'll start at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. <laughs> so anybody without love, you know, that ought to tell you exactly. Verse 8, he that loveth and, um, and knoweth not God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So what is God? He's the, what is love? The presence of God. If God doesn't govern a situation, that's not, that's not mature love. It doesn't last. All right, verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might uh, live through him. Okay, uh, verse 10. Herein is love, uh, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is kind of like the appeasement. You know, he was the sacrificial lamb. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Uh, hereby know we that we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. So this is Christ being formed in us. Until you have that, you don't have love. You don't have real love. Uh, verse 15. I think that's where I am. No, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Okay, so that's what it takes. Remember when we did that whole prayer teaching, we went into what people would have to believe. You got to believe he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Outside of that, your prayers won't be answered. Mm -hmm. And I'm not painting a false doctrine. I'm saying, if you believe and doubt not, like Jesus Christ said, these things will be done unto you. Right. All right. Um, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath unto us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Quick point, when you go to Matthew 7, we're not going there. But remember when Jesus told them, when they said they'd done all these wonderful works, he said, away from me. Ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. This is what they were lacking. Because if you look at it, even 1 Corinthians 13 talks about all the gifts that they should have. Remember all the things. If I have this, if I have that, mm -hmm. that it, it benefits me nothing. These people didn't have the love of God. Uh, verse um, 18. Is it 18? Mm -hmm. What's that? I like that one. Which one? The one you're about to read. Oh, verse 18. Uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That tells you right there. This is why the fearful and the unbelieving will have their part in the lake of fire. Why? 
They don't believe God. God doesn't live in you. If some people say, well, I'm afraid to go out and preach the gospel, you know what the problem is? You're, you're an idol to yourself. You love yourself too much. But if you have the agape love, you go out there in a heartbeat. Why? Because you see 7.4 billion people on their way to hell, and you're, you're the one that's standing in the gate with the truth that you can present to others. So when we don't go, when we don't do these things in the Lord, it's because we love ourselves too much. So you can't have perfect love because it cast out fear. Right. Verse uh, 19. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom uh, he hath not seen? Exactly. So it will be religious to you. You know, because if you love God, then you would love that which you see, your brothers. Now, that doesn't mean go along for the ride and do everything that they do. This is speaking of loving them enough to tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, you care for people, but you don't have to be going down with the ship, like I said. Um, verse 21, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So, so the, see, these are commandments. But whenever you use the word commandment, people automatically go back to the ten, even though the ten would have something to do with it. But people always think when you think commandments, they go to religious works. Right. This is talking about Christ being formed in you and grown in him. All right, um, 1 John 2.15. Give Christina an easy time. 1 John 2.15. And it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, uh, oh, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we understand here that if you love the world... This is why you're the enemy of God, because God has nothing to do with the world. Right. This is all about his will. Okay, so in verse 17, uh, And the world passeth away, uh, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So this is what we have to learn to be focused on. Oh no, that is so very true, because I mean, it's just so evident. That these that this is going on today, these three things: the lust of the eyes, flesh, and the pride of life. I mean, you see it all around. And if we are any kind of like partakers in this, then the love of the Father can't be in us, because you can't serve two masters. You can't be holding on to the world in one hand, and then be holding on trying to hold on to Jesus Christ in the other hand. Oil and water don't mix, you know, and we can't mix that way either. That's right. Let's go to Ephesians 5 and 22. And then we'll be through with love. Then we're going to go on to some other examples. You know, the other gifts. But, you know, it's so true. People hang on to this world with both hands as if there's some kind of hope here. Mm -hmm. You know, when really, if you recognize what's really going on in the world, man, we may as well sell the farm and, you know, do what the Lord told us, told us to do. Right. All right, Ephesians 5 and 22, and it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 
Now, right there, the tuning fork went off and so many different people listening to this. What do you mean, submit myself to my husband? See, that's the Jezebel spirit we got to break free of. But this is the type of order that the Lord has in love concerning a marriage. Mm -hmm. So if you're outside of this, you're outside of the will of God, period. You're outside of his order, you're a rebel. Uh, Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Tuning forks, boy. Uh, 23. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be in their own husbands uh, in everything. So, you know, they have to be to their husbands the way that Christ is towards the church. Um, where am I? Oh, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Okay, so they should be grounded in the Bible, grounded in the word of God. They should have an appetite because this is what's going to govern your marriage. It's not just your feelings and other things like that. Mm -hmm. All right, but see, he's talking about the husbands to love their wives. So this isn't just some relationship where you tell your wife, go get my food, and I want a beer too, you know, and I want all this other stuff. Or she says, you know, I don't really feel, you know, feel like doing that today. What? What you say? I'm the man. I need respect. You know, no, it's not about that. This is talking about godly relationships. Okay, the fact that the husband loves his wife and the wife loves her husband. But this is the way that the Lord wants them to interact. All right, so uh, while Sarah's over there cracking up, we'll keep going. Uh, verse 27, that ye might present uh, it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be uh, holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, that he loveth his wife, uh, loveth himself. So you got to love them the same way. The same way you love yourself, that's how you're supposed to hold your wife. That's not idolatry. This is in the order that the Lord calls it. Why? It's governed by true love and government of God. That's it. Uh, verse 20, 29. Uh, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they and they too shall be one flesh. This is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now reverence is a high word here. See, a lot of people call themselves Christians. They're not ready for this because reverence is almost like the way that you fear God. You know, it's to have that respect and love and admiration towards your husband. That meant that his word is law if it's governed by Christ. But this is how it's supposed to be. But you got a lot of people thinking they're ready for marriage and stuff. They're not ready for this because right away most people would fail this test. But this is what the Lord is calling us 
that we need to be like. There's nothing wrong with loving your wife, but when you idolize your wife or you do things that are outside of the will of the Lord, that's idolatry. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, disobey your husband and you don't want to be, you know, under that type of headship that is governed by the Lord, you're a rebel. There's no in-between with that. This is the perfect will of God concerning a marriage, concerning that type of government. All right, so hopefully we got done some stuff on the spirit, I mean, on uh, love, that gift. So from here we'll go to joy. And, you know, the others won't be as long, but this needed to be tackled concerning government. This one, though. Exactly. All right, let's go to Habakkuk uh, 3 and 17. She'll never find that. We have to show her. We're going to get into joy because joy is a big part of praise. Joy is a big part of doing what the Lord calls us to do. How you're able to stand in the midst of war and your whole world can be falling down around you. All right? They're, they're ready to put you in jail for 10 years talking about homosexual marriage. It's the joy of the Lord that will guide you and keep you in that time. Right. Why? Because, Lord, you suffered. I'm identifying with you. This, these fruit of the Spirit, people knock them down like they're little petty and small things. But this is real stuff that we're going to need. Because without these gifts, you cannot do the will of the Lord. I'm telling you, you can't find it now. I'm looking for it. Oh, Habakkuk, okay. Habakkuk 3. No, it's in the Old Testament. Towards the back? Yeah, just go a little past uh, Malachi or past Matthew, and you'll see uh, Malachi, um, Zechariah, Zephaniah, and then you'll hit Habakkuk. It's real small. No, but he's going backwards. So past Matthew. Yeah, get it real quick. Where are you now? Oh, because you got that other one. Yeah, I got the. Yeah, let me just start with Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. What verse are we starting at? One out of ten. I'm just kidding. Um, well, tell me. No, it's um, <laughs> verse 17. Let's see. Man, I'm trying to help you. I got Chapter. more. It's right here. Habakkuk 3 and 17. Kids aloud. Habakkuk 3 and 17, and it says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive tree fail, and the fields shall um the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd. Uh, in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and will joy uh, in the in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like like hinds feet, and He will make uh, me to walk upon mine high places. Uh, to the chief singer of my string instruments. So what He's saying here, as you notice, that all of their flock, all their stalls, all these things are empty. But he's still going to rejoice and joy in the Lord. So this is the type of joy you have to have. Not when the Lord gives you something, but when the Lord even, you know, when he doesn't uh, do what you desire, is he still your God? Do you still love him the same? 
Only joy can make you feel that way about your God. Right. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It comes from within. It's not like happiness. Happiness is for a moment. Happiness is, oh, something good happened to me, so I'm happy about it. You know, but when joy is something that you're going to have, which is a fire that isn't put out, the way you're excited about the Lord, that only the gift of the Spirit can give you. And joy Amen. is when you're grounded in the truth. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to First um, Peter 1. That's at the back. 1, and we'll start at verse 8. And then the rest, I think I'll just give you guys um, the scriptures to read them in your spare time if you want. All right, let's start at verse 5. First Peter uh, 1 and 5, and it says... Uh, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, like their joy, uh, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious uh, than of gold, that perisheth, uh, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory in the appearance of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him, ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So regardless of what the enemy tries to do, the Lord, uh, you know, deals with that sort of thing. I'm sorry, guys, I know it's warm, but... The devil is not going to let us have Bible study, so uh, we got the back window at least. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, again, through trials and tribulations, being tried by fire, you know, you still have the unspeakable joy mm -hmm. in the Lord. Yep. This is what's missing. This, this fruit can only be grown by knowing who your God is. Faith gives you this also. Right. Faith is actually the root of the nine gifts of the Spirit, and the nine fruit of the Spirit. Notice how faith is in both. Mm -hmm. So that has to be the link that brings the two together. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. Yep. All right, so from here we'll go on to another one. And uh, let's go to Isaiah 61. It's still cool in here with the back window, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's start at verse 8. Isaiah 61 and 8. And it says, uh, For the Lord loved judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct thy work in truth. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, verse 9, and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. 
I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me uh, with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me uh, in the robe of righteousness as the bridegroom uh, decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So what we need to understand here, this is what the Lord wants to do with us. He wants to take away your shame. He wants to take away the sin nature out of your life. He wants to adorn his bride with the most precious stones and a robe of righteousness. Mm -hmm. But the flesh will not let us do it. No. This is why the flesh has to be crucified so we can get into the truth in Christ. But notice there is joy in this. You know, this is what he's talking about, having that joy. Right. You should re um, enjoy the Lord telling you things that need to be. Oh, Lord, I'm doing that wrong. Well, look like I'm going to have to do even more because I want to be like you. See, God should be your role model. He should be your hero. Yeah. Understanding who Jesus Christ is, man, read this Bible and tell me, was he not greater than Batman, Superman? You know, I don't care who you name, Michael Jordan, any of those guys. I mean, just knowing the things that Jesus had done. I mean, you got even the mafia that would probably say, man, Jesus was a stand-up man. He didn't rat. He was tortured. He did all of that. Loyal. Loyal. You know, he Maybe. died holding the truth. Man, that's a stand-up man. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be funny like he'd be linked with the mafia, but I'm saying even they could say, man, this guy didn't rat. This is a real man's man. You know, the fact that he went to the grave being faithful unto death. Right. I know some people, oh, you talking about the mafia now? Since I'm going to try to put it where we are, let's go to Nehemiah um, 8. Nehemiah 8. But, you know, the thing is, is look how we recognize how, I mean, the fruit are involved in every single thing. Right. You know, concerning God's will. And this is why people will only get so far in their walks, because they're not allowing the Lord to grow these fruit in us. Exactly. Okay, Nehemiah uh, 8 and 10. And it says, what's that? Oh, Ryan's trying to get there too. Nehemiah is towards the front. It's near uh, Chronicles, Kings. It's right yeah. Gotcha. Right before Esther. Mm -hmm. That's why I would say it's. You got it? All right. You there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Nehemiah 8. What's that? I have a cheat uh, <laughs> Nehemiah 8 and um, 10. Then he said unto him, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them uh, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So this is why you do what you do. But all of the gifts work together. All of the fruit work together. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to talk about someone to get a better understanding of what joy is in the Lord? Read Psalms. Because David had a heart after, I mean, you know, David had was a man after God's own heart. David loved the Lord. If you read Psalms, it'll tell you straight out, that's the type of love that we should have when we speak of our God. 
you know, not, did you pray today? Mm, I don't feel like it. See, that's, that's so far removed from having the real joy in the Lord like David had. And David definitely had the nine fruit of the Spirit, even if he wasn't, you know, to the level of having the Holy Ghost. But he was definitely led by the Lord. Right. Um, 2 Corinthians 9. I mean, after a while, you guys will get this down like it's nothing. It's like, because even if you don't know where exactly you have an idea, so you like you put your hand on the page and it'll just flip right over. Mm -hmm. Like, it's got to be somewhere around here. You kind of figure out where they are so you can just kind of like... Right. At, yeah. All right, 2 Corinthians 9. Almost there. All right, we'll start at... Uh, verse 7 and it says do ye look on things after the outward appearance if any man uh, trust to himself that he is Christ uh, let him of himself wait what? in 1 Corinthians no I'm in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 oh I'm reading 10 forgive me guys <laughs> I'm like man this didn't sound right for a while anyway <laughs> All right, take two, Second Corinthians 9 and 7. Every man according to his purpose, uh, according as he purposeth uh, in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So, you know, a cheerful giver would be a joyful giver. This is why I tell people, as far as tithing is concerned, there is no New Testament tithe. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people want to believe that. Pastors will tell them this, but they're lying. Right. All right? That was an Old Testament doctrine. The Lord loves a, a cheerful giver. So you can give offerings, but you're not made to give offerings. How do you know with your cheerfulness and joy in the Lord that you won't give more than, than what the 10% is that they're suggesting? So the Lord loves a cheerful giver. There is no New Testament tithe. Right. And I know people will get mad at that. Well, they need to check themselves and get that religion out of them. Because that's all it is. It's the works of the flesh. But you can give offering. It's just not tithing. Um, 1 Thessalonians uh, 1, verse 5. That's a little bit further down. Thessalonians chapter 5 first? No, 1. 1 in one. verse 5. We are going to go there too, so you can hold it. Whoa, really? Yep. Alright, and it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. This is what the church is lacking. Mm -hmm. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word uh, in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. So imagine being in much affliction in your life going on, and you decide to follow the truth, following Paul, you know, following Christ, but you're receiving it with joy. Only the Holy Ghost can give you this stuff. 
Because most people, if you were to tell them right now, well, the Lord has got us all ready. We're getting ready to hit the streets. We're going into the foreign Muslim countries and all these places. We're going to preach the truth. You watch how many church people after watching the news would back away from this because they don't have the joy of the Lord in them. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the love because perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. You're living to live again. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 19. And it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are uh, our glory and joy. So we understand here that it's the coming of the Lord is why we have such joy in what we're doing. You know, it's, it's the fact that we know he's coming. We will see his face. We will have eternal life. This is what the long suffering and other things are about. Not to, not to get ahead. Mm -hmm. But this is the joy that we have inside of us. Actually, it's not 1 Thessalonians 5. It's 1 Thessalonians 3 and 7. Aha, I set you up. I know it is. All right, 1 Thessalonians 3 and 7. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our afflictions and distressed by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. Now look at this. Another, other things are coming up. But if you stand fast in the Lord, for what things can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. So Paul's just joying and joying. A lot of people aren't ready for this. Verse 10. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So, you know, if you look at this, you know, study Paul, how he was broke. Paul was under house arrest. Paul spent most of his ministry in prison. And he's just joying away. Joy in the Lord. Joy, joy. I've got a crown of life for me set up in heaven. See, this is the place that you want to get to. Right. Because when it becomes that real, you know that you're God conscious. That's the only thing that's going to carry you through this. It ain't going to be what somebody else is doing. It's not going to be, where am I going to work? What am I going to do? This system is not going to accommodate Christians. So where do you think we're going to end up? On the outside of it. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've got to call on the Lord for all things. We'll go to the next one, which is peace. We'll start in John 14. But does everyone understand so far, I mean, you know, what we're talking about here? Yep. Why these uh, why these uh, fruit are so important? John 14 and let's go to 20, start at 25. All right, John 14 and 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Um, whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace and give unto you, not as the world giveth, uh, give I unto you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So, you know, you notice how along with joy, there is a peace. You know, you can be excited. Your joy is your excitement in doing the Lord's will, you know, which is governed by love. But those two things will bring about peace. Mm -hmm. You know, these are fruit. These are not regular emotions, worldly emotions. You know, if I'm excited about something, well, I could be sitting in this room calm. But that doesn't bring about peace. Because while I'm sitting here calm, I can also be worried. <laughs> you know, I can be relaxed. But do I have a lot of things that are causing my mind trouble? Absolutely. So, you know, peace you can have in the midst of war. Joy you can have in the midst of um, sorrow. All right? So these are gifts that only the Spirit can get to. There's nothing in your flesh. All right, so we'll move on. Let's go to... Uh, John 16 and 33. Okay. I know we've read this one so many times. I'll go start at 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world uh, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So this is the Lord talking about just before he's persecuted, just before all the things that's going to come his way. He's telling the disciples, you guys are all going to leave me, but I have peace. Because, well, he's telling them that so they may have peace, that the Father is with him. So the Father will be with them eventually. Right. So, you know, this is awesome because what greater peace can you have? This is the power in peace. You're about to die. You're about to be spat on. You're about to bear the sins of the whole world. And yet you are at peace trying to instill peace in others. <laughs> you know why? Because he was living to live again. We're living to live again. We've got to get that sewn up in us, some of us a lot faster than others, because, you know, I hate to talk about this kind of stuff while we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but, I mean, you know, you got Obama talking martial law in um, November. You got all this crazy stuff about to take place. And it's only the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, and all these things that the Holy Ghost can give you is going to take us through what we're dealing with. All right, so, you know, I hate to paint bad pictures, but to me, this isn't a bad picture. This is exciting for me because, you know, I'm getting to be with my Lord. I don't care about the affairs of this life. I'm looking forward to a time that is coming, that we won't have to deal with this anymore. Think about how banks rip people off. I mean, think about how they use usury and everything, which is pretty much running interest, which is pretty much loan sharking. Look at how they do people giving you 30 years to pay off on a mortgage where the word mort really means death. So what is it? A contract unto death. And even then, you still got to pay the taxes on it. Look at how wicked this society is, the way that people are treated. How can we want to hang on to this? Mm -hmm. We should be glad to see the destruction of this so we can move on. It's also it's the fulfillment of the scripture. Exactly. Philippians 4.
Philippians 4, and we'll start at verse 7. And it says, well, let's start at verse 6. And it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, you know, just think about that. The fact that it, it surpasses all worldly understanding. This is why when people are telling you, aren't you worried about your job? Aren't you worried about all this other stuff? And you, no, man, God's got it. He'll take care of it. It, it surpasses all understanding of what we really think is, you know, carnal, but it's not. You know, this is the type of peace that the Lord gives you, making you like Christ. Right. You never saw Jesus waver. Only one time his flesh tried to attack him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked, let this cup pass from me, and the Father told him no. That was the answer to that. Father didn't say a word. Like, no, you're going through this. That's that agape love. Right. All right. Um, we don't really have to go through all of these so we can move along. Um, I want to do James 18, though. James 18. It's further down by Hebrews and John and the others. James. What? Oh, James uh, 3. Uh, matter of fact, let's start at verse 15. James 3 and 15. This wisdom descendeth um, not from above, but is earthy, sensual, devilish. For where envyings and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above uh, is um, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them uh, that make peace. Now look at how all the fruit of the Spirit were mentioned here. Right. You know, again, another contrast being made from the world and from what God is calling us to be like. Christ being formed in us. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, there are other examples. If you guys want to write this down, there's First uh, Peter 1 and 2. Okay, first Peter one and two, there's Romans five one. Uh, there's Romans eight six. And I gotta give the Lord respect with one more. So um let's go to Isaiah nine. I've gotta give the Lord his props, his respect. Amen. Isaiah nine. He deserves all the glory. That's right. I can't cut him short leaving this passage. Isaiah 9, and we'll start at verse 6. All right, Isaiah 9 and 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
So Jesus is being called God here. He's even being called a father. He's not God the father, mm -hmm. but he was a father to the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. And he is the prince of peace. Okay, and anyone want to understand uh, why he's being called God here? You go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and we'll explain it. You know why they say that. So that's just for anyone listening that wants to hear more. Let's go to long suffering. So we're going to start with uh, 2 Peter chapter... Uh, three. It's at the back again. Now, this is another thing Christians don't want to deal with. We're so-called Christians. Nobody wants to deal with long suffering. Everybody wants an easy ride in a pre-trip rapture. You know, it's nonsense. Why would you be called for long suffering? You know, and all these get all these fruit just so you can fly away with them. Right. That's ridiculous. All right. Second um, Peter three and nine, and it says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, uh, uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." So along with his love, this is the long-suffering. Imagine how we break the Lord's heart every day doing what we're doing, and he's just, they're coming along, they're coming along. You know, right. I'll just endure the hurt. You know, I'll send people to them to try and bring them to the truth. So it begins in him. The reason I started here, because it begins in his long-suffering. He's not the only one just imparting these fruit to us. He's living in the fruit. You know, he's using his own fruit to deal with you and I. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so uh, Ephesians 2 and 4. I mean, 4 and 2. I'm just going to give a few examples and then we can move on. This will be a five-hour study. We do it otherwise. Okay. Ephesians 2. I'll start at verse 1. Ephesians. What did you say again? Oh, it's four, actually. Four, and I'll start at verse one. Okay. Sorry. All right, Ephesians 4 and 1, and it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Look at how they all come together. Look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these things all tie together. You cannot have one without the other. Right. You've got to have Christ formed and grown in you. And these are the fruit that will develop as Christ grows in us. Uh -huh. uh, Romans 2. and we'll start at verse 1 therefore thou art inexcusable O man whosoever thou art uh, that judgeth uh, for wherewith thou judgeth another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgeth uh, doeth the same things so he's speaking of hypocritical judgment here not judgment this would parallel 
with Matthew 7. It doesn't mean you can't judge. It's about judging righteously because Paul says in Corinthians, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Uh, verse 2. Uh, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinketh thou this, O man, that judgeth them uh, which uh, do such uh, things, and doeth the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. For despiseth, I mean, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearing and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So you see, it's all about being grown in the Lord. And again, it's talking about long-suffering. Look at how many others appear. There's goodness there. You know, there's forbearing, which is like, you know, temperance, mm -hmm. dealing with. So, you know, it's all about being grown in Christ. You know, other than that, if we're judging people that way, then that will go along with envyings and revelings and all the things of the, the flesh that we're not supposed to be doing. Right. Okay, but we can judge a, a, a situation if it's righteous judgment. If you're not guilty of the same sin, you can tell someone something is wrong. But the way to fix the problem, Peter is speaking here, is having long suffering. You know, just work, excuse me, working your way through it, having the gifts grown in you. Again, uh, Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, and we'll start at verse 10. What's at the back near John and James? Let's start at verse 9. And it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, and he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing uh, many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So even Christ himself had to suffer long, you know, in order to bring forth the fruit, which was us. Mm -hmm. The only way that we would have been maturing in Christ, or had a second chance at escaping death unto eternal life, was the king of glory had to suffer long himself. He had to go through, so there's no excuse for anybody else here. Right. Uh, let's just move forward. Uh, let's go to goodness. So we're going to start in uh, Romans 12, verse 9. Everybody there? All right, Romans 12 and 9, and it says, Let love be without dissimulation, like without separation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So he's saying, like, you know, abhor means like to hate evil, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly, affectioned, one to another, with brotherly love. That's that phileo. Uh, to honor, um, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, 
continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints uh, given to hospitality. So again, you know, you see the rejoicing here, you see the hope, you see the continuing in tribulation, which is a type of, you know, goodness, long-suffering. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, cleaving to that which is good and hating that which is evil. So this is a part of the nature we should have concerning the fruit of goodness. There's joy in here, too. Exactly. Verse 14. Bless them uh, which persecute you. Uh, bless, bless and curse not. So this is also about that goodness, you know, the gentleness. Right. And then uh, 14 says, bless them which persecute you. Did I read that already? Oh, okay. Uh, 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep uh, with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but uh, condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. So that's pushing down pride, everything. Mm -hmm. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. So this is even perfect love they're speaking of. Right. Casting out fear. Someone may treat you bad, but you're showing love. Verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, be peaceably with all, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, what? I said there's peace. There's peace right there, yeah, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, uh, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm -hmm. So that tells you there, this is all about goodness. To be honest, I won't even have to go to another thing. I mean, that really covered it all. <laughs> but um, I am going there, though. So let's go to, uh, uh, let's see, Ephesians 4 and 32. But this is why we find it so odd to even have to be nice to someone that treats us bad. Right. Because this is, you know, these gifts are still being grown in us. That's hard to do. And if you if you give willingly and of a cheerful heart, it is so uncommon to do that. And this is how you can tell that Satan has warped and perverted things. Because if you want to give somebody something, the first thing that they ask is how much does it cost? Yeah. And you're like, no, I just want to give it to you freely. And they're like, well, what's wrong with it then? There's mm -hmm. got to be something wrong with it if it's free. <laughs> and then what's your goal? What's your goal? What do, you, what do I have to do in return? <laughs> exactly. You know, Ephesians 4 and 32. No, let's start at 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, uh, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, you know, you want your trespasses and all things that you've done to be forgiven, but you have to forgive. Mm -hmm. A lot of people want the Lord to forgive them, but how many people are they holding grudges against? Mm -hmm. Can't live that way. Nope. Uh, Galatians 6. I'm picking everything right next door. That's right next door, too. She's going to wish she had stayed. <laughs> No, right? Galatians 6 and 
Galatians 6 and 9. Galatians 6 and 9, and it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So we should be looking after our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because they're of the same body. They believe like you. Not that we're not that we're supposed to turn our back on the unbeliever, but you can only do but so much for an unbeliever because their spirit is so contrary to what you're trying to do to help. Most times they won't cooperate with you. Mm -hmm. But for those that are of the body, we should be nurturing and trying to you know fix up. Right. We can give to the unbeliever. But the unbeliever most likely will do things outside of the will of the Lord. So, you know, it's all about how much they yield to us. But the Lord says to look after them anyways. You know, that's the true heart of the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, Jeremiah 16, well, 6 and 16, and, we're, and then we'll move on. After that, we'll only have three left, or four. Jeremiah is right by Isaiah, right after. Okay, Jeremiah 6, 6 and 16, and it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein, and yet shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Here's the hard-headed children of Israel. And wondering why they ended up in captivity so many times. Mm -hmm. He's saying to go the good way, and that's where the rest comes for your soul. This is why people commit suicide and do all these other things, not being able to deal with their lives. Right. But all you have to do, he said, um, all that are heavy, heavy laden, you know, come in and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. But nah, I don't want to do it his way. So they'd rather suffer through life instead of just yielding to the Lord to give them peace. Right. You know, the following the good way, where there's rest for your soul. It's one thing to have a tired body. It's another thing to have a tired soul. I mean, that's when you are worn out. This is when you get things like um, despair, you know, and you feel like, um, what's the other word? Like, well, depression is one, but then you go into despair where there's just this hopelessness, this feeling of impending doom. That's when your soul is tired and all the Lord is telling you, man, come in. All you got to do is come in so there'll be rest for your soul. But they want to fight him every step of the way. Yep. And what happens? You end up in captivity. Exactly. All right, we're going to go on to temperance. Let's go to Second uh, Peter 1. No, we were just there. All the way at the back. Temperance is important. That's your self-control. That means no matter how the fire is lit up or how cold it gets, man, you got to remain the same in Christ. But only the fruit of the Spirit can give you that. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people change. Their moods change with their circumstances. It can't be that way. Okay, Second Peter 1, and we'll start at verse 5, or verse 4. 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these uh, ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Now notice, divine nature. It's not about religious works and rituals. Right. It's about having the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Having escaped the corruption that is, that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith uh, true, I mean, your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. So look at what it takes to be godly. You know, it begins in escaping the world through their lust. You know, because you want to partake in the promises that Christ has given us. So that would be faith that would bring you out of there. But then it says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So remember, the first part is in faith. The precious promises, because you've heard them, you want to be a partaker in them. That's faith. It takes faith to believe it. So that's why in 5 it says, and add to your faith virtue. So along with your faith has to be truth. You can't believe in lies. And then on to your, um, to your virtue or your purity, you know, or your power, knowledge. You know, so that way you can give an, uh, an, an answer to right. why you believe in the faith that you have. Right. Some people, why do you believe in Jesus Christ? I just believe in him. I believe he's the way. Why? I just believe. See, you believe, but you don't have an answer for that person. So there goes another soul. Right. Because they're only going according to what you're saying. You can't um, show knowledge of God's word in order to be able to bring people in. All right, so with knowledge, temperance. So along with what you know, you can't get puffed up in pride. You've got to be level. You've got to be mature. Right. You've got to be able to bring people the truth. You know, even if they call you names, you have to stay on the same level. And that's why it says along with temperance, patience. Being able to work with people that may not understand just yet. Right. You know, you want the Lord to show you what to say instead of getting mad and frustrated. Because a lot of people, early in my walk, a lot of people might have agreed with certain things with me, but believed slightly different. And because of that, I jumped on them with the gospel. And then that person was like, man, I don't even want to pray with you. I don't even want to be around you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're an angry person. So that's not one of the fruit of the Spirit here. Right. You know, so... All right, so uh, temperance, with temperance, patience, and with patience, godliness. So these things are required. So, you know, I, I want to take that back. There are many places where it actually talks about what's necessary. Because in verse 7 it says, uh, to godliness, brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, charity. So it all goes back to love. You know, love is the root that holds all these things along with faith. But, um, you know, the more you read, the more you see the gifts are everywhere. Yes. You know, yes. so that's what we need to understand in order to grow in Christ. You can know a lot of stuff, but you've got to be rooted and grounded. Exactly. Um, so you guys understand temperance so far. I want to go to 1 uh, Corinthians 9 and then we'll move on. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. But it's true, though, because it's like if you have temperance, self-control, then someone comes and debates with you, you're not going to be given into that debate. No. If Satan tries to do because you'll be talking to somebody and all of a sudden they're like, well, what about this? Or what about that? 
or this is what happened yeah, in my Yeah, and then body. you'll explain, and then they get mad. Man, you don't make any sense, and you just, oh, well, have a good day. Yeah. It's not affecting you one way or the other. Right. That's what temperance is all about. It's about, you know, doing the Lord's will, not being ruled in your emotions. Verse 27. Uh, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself can become a castaway. So this puts an end to that once saved, always saved. Right. Paul here, who's an apostle, is sitting here telling you that I can preach the gospel and do all the, all these things. But unless I keep myself in self-control, out of sin, out of doing things right, I can be a castaway, even presenting the truth. Because mm -hmm. ain't no hypocrite going into the kingdom of God. Nope. And I'm saying ain't no on purpose. Or someone says, listen to his broken English. <laughs> All right. Uh, meekness. We're going to move on. Um, since we're close by, let's go to 1 Peter 3. Let's start at verse 4. You said this was under meekness? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 1 Peter 3. We'll start at verse 4. Some people need these gifts. Uh, okay, so it says, But let it be uh, the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet uh, spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also... Uh, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Here we go. Yeah, right? Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as uh, ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. So, Sarah called Abraham Lord. Good luck with hearing that today, you know? And I mean... This is what it's all about. God honors a relationship like this. If anyone has a problem with this concerning God's government, concerning family and meekness, mm -hmm. they're not of the fruit of the Spirit. You right. are a rebel. This right. is the spirit of Jezebel. Oh, yeah. All right, um, seven. Uh, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and uh, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You see how it can even hinder your prayer? Mm -hmm. People want to know what's wrong. Why come, how come things are not working? They're not in accordance with his word. Right. Finally, be, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Now, pitiful doesn't mean, you know, just means being sorrowful, caring, full of pity. Doesn't mean be pitiful the way we see it today. Mm -hmm. Be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing uh, for railing, like just ranting on. But contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile, no no deception. Uh, verse 11, let him eschew evil and do good. 
uh, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over uh, the righteous, and his ears are open to the prayers to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. This is so important with being able to follow the Lord. Verse 13. Uh, and who is he that will warm you if ye be followers? Huh? Oh, sorry. <laughs> and who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that uh, which is good? But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. So you got the peace here. Don't worry about the terror. You know, that would be what? The perfect love. Mm -hmm. Casting out fear. You know, these things are important for following the Lord. Verse 15. But sanctify uh, the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh, that asketh you a reason uh, of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So you see how meekness comes back again, you know, but it's talking about having that answer, being ready. Right. So meekness doesn't mean weak, like a lot of people like to think. It doesn't mean weak. It means gentle, you know, lowly, humble. Right. But, you know, Moses had a backbone like a redwood, so he was described as meek. So meekness is um, it's one of the fruit. It doesn't mean weak. Uh, let's go to James 3, since it's close by. 3 and verse 13, it's right next door. James 3 and 13, and it says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. You know, so this is telling you, even though we covered part of this before for something else, but I told you oftentimes that the fruit will mingle together. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a tree that has different fruit on it. Yes. <laughs> you know, that they're all grown of the same seed. All right. Um, Psalm 37. We'll go there and then we'll move on. Psalm 37. I always tell people to get the Psalms. All you got to do is divide your Bible in half. And it's right there. That gives you an idea of how big the Old Testament is. Yeah. You know, compared to the New Testament. Alright, Psalm 37. We'll start at verse 10. Psalm 37 and 10 says, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, he shall not be yea. Thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Look at that, how they just tie together. But, you know, you don't want to be a person that isn't meek, because a loud, boisterous, person, you know, full of pride. They said the Lord resists the proud. Mm -hmm. He can't stand even a proud look if you read Psalm 101. He hates it. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to be more of lowly of nature and be meek because they're the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom of God, you know, and the earth. All right, um, let's move on. Let's go to gentleness. Let's start at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll just do verse 1. Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And look how he just goes right there. Who in presence and base among you, but being um, absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold uh, when I am present with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So the reason why he can be bold is because meekness and gentleness lives in him, which means Christ is in him. Mm -hmm. You ever notice, I'm telling you, when you're in sin, try and preach the gospel and see how the, you can feel the spirit of the Lord talk back to you. Right. Like, man, I, I know what you did. Certainly you ain't serious telling anybody. But the reason why you can be bold is because when those fruits start to develop in you and you're living for Christ, man, you know no one can point back to you and say, oh, well, you're doing this. You can stand there in boldness because you're in the spirit and in truth, how we how we worship the Lord. Exactly. All right. Um, Matthew 10. I'm trying to pick them as close to where they are. The gentleness is, I mean, you know, a key fruit of the Spirit. That's why he said, I send you out as, you know, sheep among wolves. I'm actually, I just gave it away. That's why you can't talk too much. He says, behold, I send you forth as sheep among wolves, I mean, in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So even though you may be gentle, the Lord is saying here, don't throw out your brain. Right. All right? Like in other words, you know, you know you're in a dangerous situation or an ungodly situation, but you're going to stand here and, you know, um, yeah, I just want to be gentle and help him out. And man, this guy's a murderer. What are you doing hanging out with him? But, you know, so gentleness doesn't mean throw out your brain. You can't be gentle, but he wants you to be intelligent enough to be able to discern. So the Lord is even telling you here that the serpent is wise, you know, but he's not saying be crafty, you know, because that's not a gift of the Lord. But he's just saying that, you know, be able to discern situations, right. be smart, be right. sober, you know. Uh, I only got a few down for this. Uh, Psalm 18. Then we'll go to um, the last one. Ryan's getting fed. Psalm 18, um, verse 34. He teacheth my hands to war. So that um, I, so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms, uh, thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right thy hand hath holding me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. So you know, even with the fact that the Lord made David strong, you know, a man of war, he had gentleness in the Lord. You know, that's the only way to really deal with stuff so that's also being like wise as serpents but harmless as a dove the fact that he has gentleness in him thou hast enlarged my steps unto me that my feet did not slip I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them 
neither did I turn again till they were consumed. So, of course, he's talking about dealing with his enemies here. But along with that, he was given the gentleness which made him great, which meant he wasn't a barbarian. When the Lord sent him to war to deal with the enemy, he dealt with the enemy. Now, what he's also saying here, too, if you look at this um, fruit of gentleness, gentleness is towards man. Okay, you don't be gentle with the devil. We no. war with him. Right. Okay, so when we're dealing with those spiritual ent entities, we war with them. We show the devil no mercy. But when it comes to gentleness, that's for your brother. Okay, so this is the distinction that David here is making. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's move on. Last one is faith. We're going to go to Hebrews 11. Let's speak real quick. Hebrews 11, we call that the Hall of Faith. Is it meekness like humbleness? Yeah. 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 yeah, humble, lowly. But it's not a beaten up, you know, cowardly thing. They're totally different. Some people think in order to be meek, you be weak. No. It's like the opposite of proud. Right. Pretty much. You look at Christ. Christ had, he had all of these, and he also had the power. Mm -hmm. But did he strike anybody down? Because he has meekness. You know, he was, he would talk to the Pharisees and the Sadducees all day long. And what did he have? He had meekness, he had temperance. Goodness, yeah, he was only that. trying to get them into the kingdom, but right. when they pushed his buttons, you know, I mean, not that he lost control, but he said what needed to be said in right. a godly way. Exactly. You know, but he used his words, hey, you know, Christ obviously had the fruit of the Spirit, but he took that whip and ran them out of the temple. Right. Because that was righteous judgment. Exactly. That was goodness. He was, it was good that he beat their butts. <laughs> exactly. All right, so um, this is known as the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11. Again, like I said, if you look to the gifts of the Spirit, there are um, nine fruit, I mean, there are nine gifts. One of them is the gift of faith, mm -hmm. okay? And, and you go to the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is also faith. So faith is the two, is the one thing that ties these two together. Right. All right? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Like in other words, you know, the Lord by faith, he put all this stuff together, knowing the beginning from the end. Mm -hmm. uh, four, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, uh, yet speaketh. Remember when it said, your brother's blood crieth from the land? Right. When uh, Cain killed Abel. Five, by faith Enoch translated uh, that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So that was his testimony. He pleased the Lord. Before he left, he pleased God. All right, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that 
cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So regardless of what people thought that night when we were, we were talking about prayer, and I went to that you have to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and then you get people that tell you, oh, we don't take all of that, I don't know. It's telling you right here. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then it says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you got to believe he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Exactly. All right, verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned of God, of, of things uh, not seen, as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which uh, he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, uh, which is by faith. So, great thing about Noah, you know, he dealt with all that being ridiculed and mocked. His faith, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be anybody here. You have the average Christian today stand up in that type of faith and guarantee you this world would have been wiped clean. Absolutely. All right, Everyone would have been a Nephilim because they would have been too lazy sitting down watching Cheetos, eating Cheetos, watching TV. They probably would have been sitting up in church, you know, with their perfect attendance, not doing what the Lord told them to do. Exactly. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have received for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went exactly so faith is going to be exercised in a place where you may not see the evidence mm -hmm. but it's the substance of things hoped for so hope is a big part of why we do what we do right. the devil wants you to lose hope why because once he gets you there you're off course so it takes that hope in god you know to to give you the faith to do what he's calling you exactly um nine by faith he sojourned in the land and promised, uh, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs uh, with him of the, of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Exactly. So he was looking for, you know, it was really the holy city, Jerusalem. But it was also so many things could be thrown in here. The fact that we are the temple, the fact that Christ said, I will destroy the temple and build it up in three days, which would be Christ, you know, or, or the body being full of the spirit. 11, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delighted of a child uh, when she had passed age, when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. So imagine a 90-year-old woman, you know, having a kid. But this is the type of faith that God told you what they say. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. It's going to happen, okay? Uh, 12. Therefore sprang there uh, even um, of one, and him as good as dead, uh, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So he's speaking of from that seed that Sarah had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob. They're talking about the children of Israel here, which the Bible called innumerable, like they would be as the sand of the sea. Mm -hmm. So all these blessings came out of the promise to a 90-year-old woman. You think about that. 
It's definitely the, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Because who would believe that? Right. 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed uh, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, it's kind of like what happened. Um, Jacob never saw the promised land. When Abraham saw the promised land, there were giants roaming through it. Okay, but he believed God. They went down into Egypt. Joseph even said, well, I'll just keep reading real quick. But it's just saying that they never got to see the promise, although it was there with faith. You know? Where am I? 14. 14. Uh, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek um, a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Uh, wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For hath he prepared um, for them a city. Uh, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. So it took a faithful Abraham to give up his own son, which the Lord said, draw not your sword to kill him. It was a test. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you know, you're worthy enough to have my son come and bring your people, you know, I mean, to, to be his people. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I don't know how much more we need to read, but the point is, is that, you know, even with um, Joseph, Joseph, when they went into slavery, Joseph was still alive because the old Pharaoh, remember, he died. So the new Pharaoh came over and said, man, forget the children of Israel. But the point is, is that, should I just read straight through? I guess. All right, so it just says, uh, accounting that God, where am I? 18. Um, 18. Of whom it was said, uh, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that um, God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now you read this in Genesis 27. Mm -hmm. The prophecies that he put out for both of them, they both came true, and they're still enduring to this day. Right. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worship leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph said, hey, you know, we're going to, the Lord said that we'd make it into the promise. Now he had like what? Maybe 400 years to go. But he said in, in time, he never even knew there was a Moses that was coming, but he knew they were going to be saved. He said, make sure my bones are not here. All right, when you guys leave, so go my bones. I don't want them buried here in Egypt. Right. All right, um, 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, you know the king's commandment was to slay all the firstborns. Yep. Were, uh, 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to um, years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction 
uh, with the with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. When God calls a person in faith, he separates you from the world. This is why Elijah came out and locusts and wild honey, eating locusts and wild honey and camels here. The Lord had to separate him from the world and brought him forth when it was necessary so that he wouldn't be infected by the world. So he, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, look at how the Lord... Um, you know, um, how many uh, pastors take that deal today? Mm -hmm. They get riches and money and all that. They won't suffer with their people. They'll oppress the people and, and fleece the flood. Exactly. Uh, 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest that the lest that he lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So in other words, he kept on what the Lord was telling him to do, even when they were outside of Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, verse twenty nine By faith they passed through the Red Sea, and by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to go down I mean <laughs> to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had come past about seven days. Now, you know, obeying the Lord, you're going to go around Jericho seven days. All right, that had to be faith. Because, you know, eventually someone in a carnal mind would have said, man, this is nonsense, man. We've been going around here for four days, man. I'm tired. Man, ain't nothing happened yet. We're supposed to do it three more and see what happens. So this is faith, yep. you know, just obeying the Lord, and they fell down in seven days. 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, uh, Jephthah uh, of David also, and Samuel of the prophets. So now he's naming all the people, man, that were in this thing, doing the will of the Lord by faith. You look in this Bible for all these people that want to preach because I'm talking about the gifts or the fruit of the Spirit, which have gentleness, meekness, and all these things. But you look in this Bible, you can't find one wimp in this Bible nope. that stood for the Lord. Every single one of them were willing vessels, willing to do what the Lord said. So don't get... Don't get gentleness, meekness, and all that other stuff confused with strength. Because these people did the will of the Lord despite life or death. Exactly. Despite what the enemy threw out. Uh, 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's Daniel. You know. Quenched the violence of fire. That's the Hebrew boys, I think, mm -hmm. honestly. And then it says, uh, escape the edge of the sword, or oh, it could have been even Elijah calling down fire, or escape the edge of the sword out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight uh, the armies of the aliens. So that's Gideon's work also in there. Uh, 20, uh, what, 35? Yeah. Women received their dead, raised to life again. That's Lazarus. And others were tortured not, accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. All of this through faith. 
and others had trial uh, of, of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. That's the disciples. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. That's Isaiah. You know, when they talk about sawn asunder, he was cut in half. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. That's John the Baptist, I believe. Uh, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not um, worthy, they wandered in deserts, in the mountains, and in dens of caves of the earth. Or oh, it could have even been the children of Israel there. You know, they've taken it back. Um, 39. 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Uh, God, uh, having provided some better thing uh, for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So, I mean, this is real encouragement as far as faith is concerned. All the great people of God did so many different things, yet we have the capacity to be greater because the Spirit was imparted to us. Right. These people did all these things void of having the Holy Ghost or Christ in them. They were led by the Lord through faith. But we have the capacity to have more because we have all the fruit. The fruit of being grown in us. Christ is in us. Anybody in this book greater than Christ? Not one. Mm. But the fact of the matter is the disciples were greater than all of these guys because they were like Christ. So I'm not saying to be Christ, but we're like Christ when right. we allow the fruit of the Spirit to be grown in us. So that's pretty much the lesson. But understand that we can do nothing outside of the Holy Ghost manifesting His gifts in us, His fruit. You want the gifts, you want the power of the Lord, you want the real filling of the Holy Ghost, you have to have the fruit of the Spirit in you. Exactly. They have to be grown. The fruit of what grow the power, the gifts. Exactly. All right? So the gifts go to mature Christians, but first these fruit have to develop the gifts. All right, so that's the lesson. So, you know, it was about the nine fruit. We need them. We shouldn't take them as lightly. We need to do what's necessary in order to achieve them. That is being willing vessels, obedient unto Christ. So true. All right, so we can pray out. Good, sir. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you today, and I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us, Lord. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, because you have taken care every every need and so much more, Lord. You've never left us wanting or without and Lord, you have given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. And Lord, I want to thank you for your true and holy word and the abilities that you've given us to understand it. Through you sharing your secrets with us. But Lord, if we are supposed to be a part of your bride, the true church, Lord, to be accounted worthy, to be a part of that remnant, then I pray that we will give you more of our time, Lord. Not just when it's convenient or when we feel like it, Lord, but when you call to us, when you speak to us, Lord, that we come to you. Lord, and I am asking and praying that you will be with this ministry, Lord, that you will build us up, that we will seek after the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that they will be wrought in our lives. Lord, that, that we will have these things, that as we draw closer to you, that we will seek to have long-suffering and patience and your true love in us, Lord, meekness, gentleness. Because, Lord, there is no commandment for these except love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself, Lord. We have to have these things in our life to move forward in you. 
And I pray that we will seek after your righteousness, Lord, that we will seek after godly wisdom, that you will light a fire under this ministry, that we will go out and preach and teach your word with all boldness, Lord, to have the spirit of discernment in our lives. But Lord, in order for us to do these things, this fleshly, sensual, soulish nature has to be burnt off of us, Lord. It has to be prayed and fasted out of our lives. We have to learn to live into the spirit. But in order to do so, Lord, we have to be separated. We have to be unplugged from this world system. Lord, I pray that you would give us an understanding of the times that we are living in. We are living in evil times, Lord. We don't know how much time that we do have left. But I pray that with the time that we have left, the time that you have given us, Lord, how you have stayed your hand, that we will not waste it, that we will not be given into the things of this world, but that we will give it into the fruit of the Spirit, that we will do your will. Lord, and I pray that you will build us up. I pray that we will hunger and thirst after your word. Lord, I pray that we will seek to bring lost souls to you, that we will seek to have not only the faith, but also the gifts of faith, Lord, that we will be able to open the blind eyes, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, Lord, but we have to have your power in us, that we will seek after the earlier and latter rain, that we will not have any fear of what the enemy can do to us, Lord, because we can have true joy and true peace, part of the gifts, Lord, in our lives by doing your will. Lord, I pray that we will take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.